Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. No one is exempt. No one is exempt. Amen. You can be seated. I want to take just a few moments for the last couple of Wednesday nights. I've been talking about one of my favorite subjects, and that is the subject of hope. I love to be around people that infuse and instill hope in me. It's very difficult for me to be around negative, naysaying people who just pull all the oxygen out of the room. (laughs) Very difficult for me to do that. I love someone that cannot pretentiously build false hope, but I love the spirit of hope. And it is probably one of the things that I believe that we need most of all. You see, sometimes when we don't find the hope that we're looking for, it's because we're looking in the wrong place. We're living in an hour when we have been reminded of how truly fragile our world is and how quickly things can change. How quickly, rapidly things can change. And so tonight, I just want to talk about for just a few moments, and I am serious about a few moments. I want to talk to you about the hope that prayer brings in our life. The hope that prayer brings. Not, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. But I'm talking about the real hope that true prayer brings. I am very, very thankful and humbled that I was taught by example the value of prayer from a child. I'm thankful for that continuing education to meet people that have challenged me on so many different levels to understand the power of prayer. Not weak, uncommitted, every now and then prayer, not the kind of prayer that just kind of uses God in a crisis but a prayer pattern in our lives. I I enjoy being around people that just just something just flows out of them. There's there's just a spirit of prayer. There's a mindset of prayer. The idea of consistent prayer that provides hope, that prayer that comes from the the Lord. In the book of uh, Luke chapter 18, and for the sake of time, I'm just gonna read one verse and I'm just gonna make a reference here to several other verses that... Uh, kind of unveil a story here. But Luke 18 and one, the Bible says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not faint. That ought always to pray and not faint. Now, if you continue down in uh, Luke 18, uh, we find the story there of the unjust judge and the widow woman. The unjust judge, he's in one compartment But there is also a widow woman that's in a league of her own because she would not take no for an answer. You know, life in and of itself is kind of like a boxing match. And I've really, in all honesty, never cared 
for boxing all that much. It's kind of a brutal sport, so I don't know a lot about it. But there's a couple of things, of course. I haven't lived in a vacuum my whole life. But there is one thing that's said to fighters at the beginning of each match, and that is the referee says, protect yourself at all times. Now, that's not just a saying. That's not something to be said that kind of sound cutesy or as a warning, but it means something, that when the bell rings, all bets are off. Now, it's not uncommon that boxers will touch gloves at the beginning of each round, and it's sort of like, I'm assuming, like a common courtesy thing. It's a respect thing, and so most often, men with respect and men that have any measure of integrity will hold their glove up and touch the other man's glove. But there have been unscrupulous fighters that took advantage of that moment, that one split second, and swung, and uh, maybe not a good terminology here, but to sucker punch his opponent. And they hit them unsuspectingly. And But here's the deal, it's the rule. The man who got hit can't look at the... At the uh, the ref, thank you, <laughs> and say, hey, he hit me. He can't cry foul because the warning went forth that protect yourself at all times because when the bell rings, the fight is on. Now, how you treat one another, I'm sure there's rules that regulate some of that, but it is protect yourself at all times. And so when the bell of life rings, we must learn how to protect ourselves at all times and that's why I want a covering of prayer, a pattern of prayer. I don't want to just pray crisis prayers, but I want to know that like a boxing match, I want to know that, that there's punches that are coming. And so like, a, like that, it's, it's not a question of whether or not you're going to get hit or get hard. It, it may not even be a real question as to whether or not you're going to get knocked down. But the question that really is, is what are you going to do when you get knocked down? That's why Jesus shares this story. We don't know what this particular widow woman's problem was, but what was important to Jesus was this principle, is that we pray always without feigning. The parable teaches us through this lady that said, I am down, but I am not going to stay down. That persistent prayer. Now, now prayer, and I think you're mature enough to hear this, that prayer may not immediately solve the problem that has us knocked to the ground. I prayed many prayers when I walked out of my prayer room or went home from church. I had to walk home to the same situation. I had to, had to live in the same uh, perplexing situation that we were in. But I'll tell you what prayer does. Prayer will push back the, the despair that sometimes surrounds that situation. Prayer can create some room. Jesus knew that life would knock us down, so he taught this parable of persistent prayer we're not here to lose. We're not here to, to stay down. And so words like never quit, the original means not to grow weary or not to despair or not grow fearful. I think that's important. And it's used in New Testament literature to, to describe childbirth. In other words, that he selected this woman and it's a powerful illustration that, that you may have the right to give up, you may have the desire to give up, but it is not in a woman to give up. Amen, when they're trying to give birth to something, they are gonna stay the course because they know the task at hand. Now consider three potential things that may have caused this woman to quit. We could consider some things that may cause us to quit. Sometimes we are tempted to quit when we are weak. 
And can we say that there are times we are all weak? That's why Romans 15 and 1 said, let the strong bear the infirmity of the weak because we can be weak. So this woman in the story that Jesus uses in this illustration is not a random illustration, but she is a widow woman. And, there, and, and if we think about a widow, especially in biblical times, a widow was the most vulnerable member of that society because there was no program. There was no social security. There was no Medicare. There was no one to come to her aid. And so when she lost her husband, she no longer not only had the, the, op, the opportunity to have his provision, but she also had his protection. And so she is represented the most vulnerable person in this scenario. Not only was she the, one of the most vulnerable members of society, but she also has somebody on the other side of the bench, so to speak, that is violating her rights in some way, and now she has come to the judge, but the Bible calls him an unjust judge. And so in this particular situation, anybody could have quit because all the odds was stacked against her. Her provision was gone. Her protection was gone. And the voice that she should have had in her life had decided to remain silent. Jesus refers to this situation and her persistence. She refused to be victimized by her situation. She refused to be victimized even by the judge. And so there are things that come our way and if they don't knock us down, they knock us off balance. <laughs> I, was in a, uh, I was in a store the other day and, and uh, a gentleman was walking along and he just kind of stumbled and, and it just took him a few steps to get his balance back. And when, when he got his balance back, he just stopped. He looked up and I would just happen to be, I was watching him, he just looked at me. It's like, wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> he didn't say that. But I knew that was what is, I've been there. <laughs> You're just walking along, everything was fine. The next news you know, it would have probably been easier in some cases it just went ahead and fell. <laughs> would have probably taken less Ben Gay to recover from it. We've all been there when situations, I appreciate your understanding that last statement. Um, I, 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 those situations that knock us off balance. And so the widow woman didn't ask why, she didn't, she didn't do anything but to continue to seek for a solution. She was not made hopeless by her problem, but she just kept reaching. And that determination in her heart should say to you and I, I am determined to hold out. I am determined to hold out. One of the greatest lessons that we could ever learn in life, I read this illustration many years ago, was reminded of it again just a few days ago. But on display in the French Academy of Sciences, a simple shoemaker's awe. An awl is just a sharp pointed tool, uh, has a wooden handle, kind of looks like an ice pick, but just maybe a much smaller version of that. The reason that this awl is on display in this, in this French Academy is because this awl, this was an awl that a little nine-year-old boy was playing with when he accidentally poked himself in the eye and it blinded him. The awl was not a toy, but it was actually a tool that his father used. His father was a, a, a leather, uh, he worked with leather and, and uh, worked in that industry. And because of the accident, he lost sight in this one eye. But sadly, shortly after the injury, he got an infection in that damaged eye. And that infection spread to his other eye and he lost sight in both eyes. And so he went to school for the blind. And when he arrived, he asked his teacher if they had 
books there for the blind to read. Young Lewis found that the school did in fact have books for the blind, but the books had large letters that were embossed and those letters were raised up off the page. And since the letters were so large, the books themselves were very large and bulky. And an even greater challenge was the fact that the books were very expensive to buy and so this school with a limited budget could only afford 14 books. So Lewis set out to read all 14 of these books in the library. He would feel each letter and then move to the next letter. But it took him so long at times to read a sentence, a few seconds to read each word, that by the time he reached the end of the sentence, it was almost hard to remember what the first letters were and it was very difficult to make sense of what the author was trying to say. And so this young boy knew there had to be a better way. So Lewis Braille created a way of helping those that could not see to read by creating what we know today as the Braille system. If you've ever seen a book written in Braille, then you remember that each page has a series of holes that are punched in them with that series of holes representing various letters of the alphabet. The fascinating part of the story is this, that young Lewis used the same awl that put his eye out and ultimately got infected and blinded him altogether. He used that same all to create the very first few pages that he began as he created this system. Now that's using your storm for a greater good, isn't it? Amen, that's using your storm for the greater good. And I'm gonna tell you that there are times we're weak, but we go to God in prayer and God puts something in us. And there is a, ter a determination that I will not allow this situation it did knock me down. It did knock me off balance. We're not too proud or ignorant to, ignorant of the reality to admit that, but I am not gonna let this be my defining moment. This may be my lowest moment, but it won't be my defining moment. Problems knock us down. Sometimes difficulties stretch us beyond the telling. Amen. But we can ask ourselves one of two questions. We can ask why God allowed this to happen in our lives or either we can say, I wonder how God is going to use this in my life. Amen. So the woman in the parable took the other, the secondary. How is God going to use this? Sometimes we can't get where we need to be because we're too weak, but sometimes it's not because we're too weak. Sometimes it's because others around us are too weak. The woman, the widow woman that went to the unjust judge for help realized that he was too weak to help her. He didn't fear God. He didn't regard man. The ironic thing about this story, and I think it bears repeating and underlining in our mind, is that the judges of Israel were constantly reminded that you are to protect the helpless. And so when you're reading through the first few books of the Bible, you'll find this in the law, how that God mandated for the kings and the rulers to continue to read the law because you've got to understand what the law is all about. Israel had been helpless as a nation. They were in Egypt's bondage and they were once again later, they were in bondage, a nation of refugees in a place called Babylon. And so the Hebrew judges were particularly cautioned to whatever you do, you need to guard the weak. You need to protect the oppressed. And so how then could this unjust judge, how could he fail in his responsibilities to realize that this one lady, she needs my help right now more than anybody else. And so sometimes we struggle and stagger because those around us are weak. If anybody should have gotten immediate attention, it should have been this widow woman. Amen. 
but she didn't respect others. She just kept pressing on. Sometimes we are where we are because we feel like that we don't uh, have the time or the effort or we can't make the effort or we don't have the energy to invest in. And sometimes nothing will make us quit any sooner than to think we don't have time to find a resolution. But this woman was willing to invest her time. She kept standing there. She wouldn't take no for an answer. And in essence, she wore him down because he realized if I don't answer this, she ain't going away. She's gonna be here tomorrow again and she's gonna be here tomorrow again and she's gonna be here tomorrow again. And I'm not suggesting that we can twist the arm of God or that we should even have to twist the arm of God because he said knock and it'll be opened and ask it'll be given, seek and you shall find. But I will tell you that there are times that we need what it what is gonna come out of persistent prayer. When I wake up in the morning and the cloud is still there, I don't wanna give up. I don't wanna grow weak. I don't wanna let others around me that are weak determine my destiny, but I just say, Lord, I've got time. I'm gonna make time. I'm gonna invest the time to go back again. Why? Because prayer gives me hope. I am so thankful for the hope that prayer brings in our lives. I really know, I say this, I don't want you to take what I'm fixing to say wrong, but I really know what I'm talking about here. I may not tell you how to put a rocket on the moon. I may not be able to tell you how to build a house from start to finish, but I know what I'm talking about here. I've been stopped too many times, as recent as today, by someone who has never one time, except for a funeral, been in this church house that I have any knowledge of, at least in 32 plus years, but they stopped me on the street today and with tears flowing down their cheek, they couldn't even hardly get the words out. I need you to pray, it's critical. You know why? Because they understand that we're going to take this serious. We understand the value of prayer. They may not believe what I believe. They, their tenets of faith may not be what, but they understand one thing. When they ride by this building, those are people of faith and they're people of prayer and they know how to get a hold of God. Amen. I'm thankful for the hope that prayer provides. With this thought in my heart today to preach on tonight, I'm gonna tell you that man confirmed that I was on the right thing today because he said, here, I saw him. We actually were stopped side by side at an intersection and he started pointing for me to pull over and I followed him into the parking lot. He was weeping by the time I got to where he was. I need you to pray. I need you to pray. It's critical. It's critical. Can I tell you, I'm thankful. I, I told him, I promise you we will pray. I promise you that we will pray. I prayed for him then. I prayed for him at home. I added him to my prayer list. Why? Because there was something about his hope, the hope that was in his eyes. The situation was still there when he got in his truck to leave. The situation was still at home when he got there. But there was hope because somebody said, we're gonna pray, we're gonna pray, we're gonna pray for you. Hope doesn't just come to the church. Hope comes to a community. I'm gonna tell you where the world has been looking. I know what the news has been saying and I know what, what, what the big voice has been saying that we're gonna close the door of the church and we're gonna lock it all out but I'm gonna tell you the world, that silent majority was looking to the church to pray. The silent majority was saying if you can't get in your building to have church, please have church somehow. If we have to gather in our home, if we have to kneel at our sofa, if we have to meet online, if we have to teach from the vantage point of a Sunday school class, I'm gonna tell you the 
the world was needing hope. And I'm thankful that the church wasn't sitting on their hands. I'm thankful that the church wasn't saying we don't have time. I'm thankful that the church wasn't saying we're scared or we're weak. But the church said we're going to keep pressing on. Why? Because hope comes when people pray. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the hope that prayer brings, the hope that prayer brings. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Mm. I'll never forget walking in the hospital room, my wife and I, to a completely unchurched individual had been in an accident. We felt led to go pray for them many years ago. We walked in the hospital room. The hospital room was full of their friends and their peers and they were a long way from serving God. We'll just leave it at that. And when I walked in, tears filled his eyes and he said, I knew you would come. Am I right? I knew you would come. This rough crowd of people, they began to so respectfully back up from the bed. I said, I came to pray for you. My wife and I gathered around that bed and we began to pray. I can't tell you that thunder clapped. I can't tell you that the wind started blowing. We just prayed the only way we knew how to pray. When we got through praying, I looked up and those big brawling men and those women that could probably whipped any of those men in there, <laughs> they were wiping tears out of their eyes because prayer brought hope. We didn't bring hope. Prayer brought hope. Thank God. Thank God for prayer. Jesus taught all of this because he wanted to say don't give up don't lose hope don't stop praying I believe with all of my heart and I know I, I know it's been said many many times was said very adequately Sunday Brother Jerry Herndon in his message began to preach about this I believe with all of my heart that God has the church at large and I'm thankful that this church is a part of the church at large, poised, positioned. This is not the time for us to be looking over the wall. This is not the time for us to be shopping. This is not the time for us to be looking elsewhere. We need to be focused. We need to be focused. We need to be focused, laser-like focus. Amen, there are people, I believe with all of my heart, that there will be a resurgence of backsliders. Amen, that are gonna come to the church. Amen, I'm not talking about to the church in general. I'm talking about to this church, this church. Amen, that's why I wanna make sure the doors are open, the lights are on. I wanna make sure when they get here, they don't find us with our thumbs and our overalls and a toothpick in our mouth. I want them to find us having red, hot, fervent, intentional, focused church. Intentional church, let's stand. Praise God, praise God. I know you were a little nervous earlier. God, help us to have laser-like focused church. Don't just think about church at church time. Please don't wait till Sunday morning when you get up driving here to pray about, won't you join me tonight? Let's start praying about church Sunday. Here, this church, church Sunday, asking God to move. Touch the lips of those that will be ministering the word. Touch our singers, our musicians. Touch our Sunday school teachers. They're gonna be breaking the bread of life, planting seed, priceless seed into the heart of another generation. Amen. Lord, I love you today.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.